have all the skills already built in you. We've, you've gotten this far, so keep keep going. You got this. Find sponsors around you. Don't just look for mentors. Find people who will actually pull you up as they grow. And, you know, I like to look two steps ahead and say, I want that person's job. How do I get it? What skills do I still need to get? And so have that little bit of, of forward looking and, and keep going. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Warrior Queen podcast, which is going to be even more interesting than the usual because we have Malika Dattatreya, a wonderful young woman who is so accomplished that I'm quite intimidated to even chat with her today. So welcome, Malika, to the Warrior Queen podcast. And I wanted to give our viewers and listeners a brief introduction where Malika has, by the age of 30, she has been doing all the things that we all had on our wish list in my generation, definitely. And right from being at NYU and Columbia Business School, she has been traveling the world, um, hiking, and above all, being a role model, I think, to lots of young women where she has been in the marketing, advertising, and publicity business. So welcome, and we look Thank forward you. to our chat with you today. Thank so, you. Thank you. So Malika, happy to be here. <laughs> so Malika, please help us understand that how you have traversed this journey of going from a hardcore family of finance, engineering, to jumping into something that was totally your own, your very own, and going into media? Uh, it wasn't always easy. I'll start with that. Um, so my family, for the most part, you know, engineers, bankers, very much um, the math science side of that, the brain. But for me, I've always been more of the creative side. I, I loved writing. I would find myself as a young child, like daydreaming and writing poems to myself. So that was always something I was super passionate about. I was an avid reader. I loved watching TV as a kid. So media was always something from a very young age that I was attracted to. And while my family didn't necessarily go into those jobs, my father actually was an avid music composer. He, it was a, a hobby for him. It was a way for him to express his creative side, but it was never something that he pursued as a full-time job of passion. He was a banker instead. And so I was surrounded by this love of media and this appreciation, but it did take a lot of guts, to be honest, to pursue that as a full-time career. It must have, because I think I wanted to share with all those listening, that you come from a family background known in Asia as South India, but specifically a Timilian Brahmin culture, which growing up with Indian classical dance, I was seeped in. And I have rarely met somebody from your culture who is not good at everything. I mean, they're <laughs> all good at math and academia, and people would develop complex around what we used to call the Tam Bram community, because they had people like Ramanujan, the greatest mathematician, and I made a film on it, The Man Who Knew Infinity, yeah. and Ramanujan is a brilliant genius, but 
So are most a million Brahmins. I mean, I'm not just saying this. We all agree that uh, they were all good at math and science and technology and engineering and music and theater and dance. I mean, you name it. So coming from a community that also has such high achievers and uh, looks at brilliance as a normal uh, uh, attribute, how is it to be in a family where <laughs> nobody thinks it's great and no one really validates you? Um, honestly, it's actually quite inspiring because I'm surrounded by such wonderful people who are so passionate about a variety of things. And it makes me want to figure out my niche, my place where I can make a difference. And so I find myself, very, I love my family. I'm one of 31 first cousins on my dad's side. So we are from a massive and successful family. And so I've found it as a inspiration, actually. Um, that being said, you know, if I wanted to work in finance or get a tech job, I feel like I have a larger familial network there. But for the media piece of it, I really had to build my own network. I had to ask friends. I had to ask, you know, a friend of a friend, somebody else that I met. Actually, my very first internship um, in the media world was um, a high school classmate, sister-in-law, worked in finance at Random House. And I asked her for a you know, connection and like, again, friend of a friend connect. And I got this internship um, my senior year of college. And that sort of started this journey for me where like, oh, I can actually make this into a career. I can actually be surrounded by books and stories and just intellectual people who connect with me on the same level. And since then, I have pursued a, a career in media. So I also see here that, you know, you started at Simon & Schuster as a publicity assistant and, of course, went through amazing institutions like New York Public Radio and yeah. then went on to HBO and you've done Sling TV Dish Network. You are with Paramount and Viacom. How would you, you know, say the path has been going from each of these institutions for you? So, yes, I started my internship at Random House, but my first full-time job was at Simon & Schuster. Um, and then I like to joke that I have gotten more and more modern with each uh, job that I've gotten. So then I was in public radio, as you mentioned, and then now I'm in streaming TV. And as I mentioned before, I didn't really have that network. I had to really build it. And there were times where I would look around and there just weren't that many people who look like me or from my background. It was hard to find mentors and sponsors that could say, hey, you know, we value your opinion, your point of view and bring you up. Um, that being said, I found that I was surrounded by really smart, passionate women. And so I, you know, I was drawn to them and I said, okay, what can I learn from you? How can I emulate your career path? So I, I would reach out to people, you know, one or two steps above me, um, parallel to my role and, and figure out like how to build that path forward. Well, that does sound like quite a journey. But on a personal level, I see that you have managed to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Was that just uh, <laughs> something you had decided like uh, every other hurdle you want to jump over? And this was another peak that you wanted to get to. 
Uh, yeah, I guess that's one way to put it. I don't like to necessarily limit myself, whether it comes to my career, or my personal life, or hiking a major mountain. Um, when I moved to Denver uh, for Sling TV, I wasn't a big skier, but I wanted to, you know, went in Rome, right? So I was like, what can yeah. I do? What can I take on that I'd never really gotten into before. And that was hiking for me. I love being in nature. So it was a no brainer. And in Denver, there's something called 14ers, the 14,000 feet um, or higher. So they're pretty high elevation. And uh, I did five of them, my, you know, the two years I lived there. And that sort of sparked this interest in me, like, okay, what's next? What's the big next thing I can do? And so uh, my brother and uh, a business school classmate and I, we just planned this trip to Kilimanjaro in 2019. And it was such an amazing and humbling experience. You're just eight days surrounded in nature and you're going through all these different environments and you know sleeping in a tent it was something that I'd never done before you're pushing yourself physically and mentally and that taps into you know your emotional and spiritual parts of yourself too so it was such an incredible experience and now I'm like okay what's next what's next I'm always looking for the the next way to push myself which is also so creditable which is what I think has given you all these openings of finding your own niche and never relying on uh, what was your comfort zone and you stepped away from it. So that's quite incredible. Were there any colored or Asian women as role models as you had started in your career in media? There weren't a lot, but there were a few. So that first internship that I mentioned, there was actually um, a woman of color who ran the internship program. And she recognized in me that I was somebody who could benefit the publishing industry. She's like, there's not a lot of people who are young and passionate that look like you. Um, I'm going to take you under my wing and I'm going to get you a job. And so actually that is how I ended up in publicity. I originally thought I was going to be an editor. I was a creative writing minor. Um, you know, I love telling stories. I love, you know, experiencing stories, which is why I'm such a huge consumer of media. And so that's where I thought I was going to be in that realm. But then uh, this was 2008. The world was slowly falling apart. And so she was able to get me a bunch of interviews. And there was this need for a publicist, a publicity assistant. And she um, got me that, you know, opening, she like introduced me to the right people. And so I kind of fell into it. It was never something that I thought I was going to do. But I had all the skill sets. I, they wanted somebody who could write well, somebody who could connect with people, um, somebody who could craft a story. And so it wasn't something that I'd necessarily considered. And so that sort of started my beginning part of the career. She was that mentor because she she recognized in me that you know there was a need to encourage young women of color in this industry that was predominantly white. Um, and so I'm really lucky that I met her. And then as I, you know, came up in the, in the, in my career, there have been a few here and there, but not as many as I'd like. Actually, this current role I'm in um, at Paramount Plus, my team is very diverse women of color. So this is the first time in my entire career that I am surrounded by women of color and it is so empowering and it feels like I've I've like hit the jackpot you know coming from Denver where it was the opposite case this feels like the, a place that I can really make a difference and I'm actively trying to build out my team with people from different personalities and different walks of life to make sure that we you know there's no group think we're all you know having different um, impacts. So you see a lot of media obviously pass in front of you and um, 
just one of my observations, uh, and I would love your opinion on it, is that we don't see a lot of role models in the United States of who we have grown up with the narrative or people who look like us or who are us on TV or in film. Because at least the way I see it, they always try to find Asians uh, have to look a certain way or awkward. And I've often mentioned it and people get uncomfortable. But I do feel that a gorgeous, glamorous Asian woman is not seen often on the screen. Would you have any comment on that? Yeah, I agree. And I think that's starting to change, but not changing as fast as it should. Um, you know, every time that there's a um, a main character that's female, like the Mindy uh, Kaling's projects that she does, she, she's bringing, you know, Indian people into the forefront, into the main characters. I feel an obligation to watch it, to support it, because they're still so far and few between. There's just not enough representation. Um, I think traditionally, people of color, Indian people have been put into specific roles. They're like the, you know, the lab tech or like the nerdy yeah. guy at the office. But they're, the they're geek. stereotyped in a lot of ways. The geek um, or the overly traditional person or, like, you know, um, somebody who works at a bodega. Like, they're very much the stereotypical um, roles that are, are not representative of who we are, we Indians who are living in America or anywhere in the world. And so it has been a struggle. And um, I think while it's changing, as I said, it's not changing fast enough. And there aren't, you know, I don't see myself really represented in media at all. And yeah. um, even though... No, I agree. I mean, I don't either. But every time I saw last week Chicago Med, and um, in fact, uh, my daughter played a role in it. Yes. And I saw yeah. her discussing arranged Indian marriage. And I was like, get on with it, guys. I <laughs> yeah. mean, what is wrong with you people? But they just cannot get away from that in story writing. And that to arrange marriage where she has never ever seen the guy and she'll see him at the altar. And I said, really? So I wanted to know with yeah. that kind of a culture, you're someone who's 30 years old. Mid-30s, um, let's say mid-30s. Right, right. <laughs> but in that age group, you're still single. So this myth of arranged marriage and parents, Indian parents freaking out and forcing their uh, daughters to get married, I would love to hear your take on it because your parents are traditional. They've come from India. How did they react? Yeah, I think they're the same boat as me. They were not being represented. It's a little bit of an eye roll situation because it's it feels like they're trying to capture something that hasn't evolved, right? Arranged marriage doesn't exist today the way it did in all communities. I can't say for, you know, blanket, there's probably some pockets of the world where it is still set, in, you know, set the way it used to be. But the experience that I've had and my cousins um, of the same age group as mine, that is never a situation our, my parents would put me in. Um, they have certainly introduced me to many, many men over the years, but it's ne they would never put pressure on me. They would never say meet somebody at the altar. So that's not an experience that I've had or that I connect to. Right, but they even introduced you pretty much as a friend over here or an aunt or a teacher would say hey meet this guy I know him he'll get along go have a drink with him 
it's not very exactly, different. Exactly. I, I always joke with my friends. It's like, instead of Tinder or one of the apps, my mom is doing that for me. You know, she's like, hey, does this guy look interesting to you? Swipe right or swipe left. And so, you know, it's up to me whether I want to meet them or not. She's just, uh, you know, introducing me to people like an aunt has this cousin. Do you want to meet him? Or, you know, somebody has this friend. Do you want to meet them? So it's, it's not the same way um, it, it has been represented in media. Right. So that's that's a great take and you know we're all uh, trying to change that in america where people all believe certain things about uh, asian or pacific islanders or brown women or indian women uh, pretty much it's like we're one curry and everything is <laughs> right. the same so you're in media and we look forward to so many changes that you could make and bring about uh, with your work, not just as a publicist and marketing, but I also know that you have been working on writing a book, a children's book project. Can you tell us a little about that? Yeah, sure. Um, this is, again, is just a way to tap into that creative side of things. Um, I have two lovely nieces, my older brother's children, and I wanted to do something special uh, for them. And my mother, she uh, has a passion for drawing and, and watercolor and whatnot. So I thought that it was a lovely project for us to do together. I wrote the, the words, the poem, and my mom um, illustrated it. Uh, it's just like a, a project that we're working on together. Um, but it's been a really lovely way to combine both of my mom and, and myself's passions. It's a beautiful extension of not just creativity, but uh, family values. And um, I think one of the things that we would love to share with our audiences is that you are born and brought up in this country. You're very much an American youngster. But how would you see yourself? You're obviously not just American or just Indian. Um, would you consider living independently or would you consider living with your family or do you find that really important? Because that's always asked as a question, uh, even... Uh, I think Oprah asked uh, Aishwarya Rai years ago that you're married and you're still living under your in-laws' roof. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> so I do uh, want to ask you because you're born here. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. But I um, do want to ask you that today. That's a great question. And it's something that, you know, me and my siblings are constantly thinking about. Right now, I do live independently. But I have, you know, especially during um, the COVID quarantine times, I, I left, lived at home for, for several months. And I have a very strong relationship with my family, with my parents. Um, and so in the future, settling down, if I think that's the question you're asking, I think it's definitely something that I'm open to. But it's a conversation that uh, me and my future partner would want to have, you know, I, I can't make I, can't, I don't have a crystal ball, unfortunately, but it's something I'm definitely open to. Uh, family has been such an important part of my my existence. You know, I, I have, as I said, a huge family, grew up very closely with a lot of my cousins and my aunts and my uncles. And so I could never um, imagine a world where family is you know, no longer a, a main part of my life. Well, I think that is a great answer because in the West, I think that it's seen as pretty black and white that once you're 18, you don't live at home. And if you do, that's seen as a negative, while all right. of us uh, think that's <laughs> fantastic that, uh, you know, everybody is close, has their independence and chooses to sometimes be at home because it's... Um, it's a wonderful security blanket. I don't think there's any need to throw it off. 
kudos to you for being that close to the family and uh, being a part of this small and large community. What is the next step in your career as far as you know optimizing your goals, your future goals? How do you, where do you see yourself business-wise in the next five years? That's a question that I'm constantly asking myself because sometimes I look back and, and I've said five years ago, if you'd asked me, I would be, you know, a director at Paramount Plus, uh, you know, building out a team. I would have been like, are you crazy? That's where you're going. So I like to let life surprise me a little bit. But looking forward from here onwards, um, I'm in the process of, you know, building out a bigger team, taking on more challenges. Um, I'm somebody who can get bored a little too easily. So I'm always looking for the next challenge. And so I'd want to make sure that the next five years, I'm constantly growing and pursuing new skill sets and figuring out new ways of um, tackling problems. Would you ever consider making a film, documentaries, talk shows? Um, so I'm on the marketing side, but I do... I do fantasize every so often about moving to the actual production side of things. Um, actually, in college, uh, my dad and I produced a movie. It's called Miss California. Um, it's a Canada movie. Um, and uh, that was such an interesting process. I did some radio interviews for it. it. You know, it wasn't the best movie in the world, but it was such an interesting experience. Um, and my dad did all the music for it. Um, so that was the, you know, a, a way again for us to connect and try something new on the creative side of things. So. Now that I've dabbled in that, I can see myself, you know, maybe in the future of their opportunities. I think I would love to. Well, see, I didn't even know that, but I just <laughs> knew that somebody who can go from, you know, uh, advertising to marketing to all these fields and you're writing and you're creative, there's no way that you wouldn't have dabbled <laughs> in, in something more creative uh, like filmmaking and um I, I guess you have to know it's like the restaurant business, every single aspect of it. You cannot just yeah, um, yeah. stick with one. And if you don't produce, you wouldn't really know what your audience needs. And right, right. lastly, what would you consider as a message to your fellow Asian other warrior queens out there that when the going gets hard, what would you tell them to do? I think persistence is something that's built into us as, you know, women of color. And so I just like tap into that. You, you have all the skills already built in you. You've, you've gotten this far. So keep, keep going. You've got this. Find sponsors around you. Don't just look for mentors. Find people who actually pull you up as they grow. And they don't necessarily have to be people of color. They can be anybody that you see that can, you know, whose path you want. You know, I like to look two steps ahead and say, I want that person's job. How do I get it? What skills do I still need to get? And so have that little bit of, of forward looking and, and keep going. I think everyone can, can have what I have, so. And is, uh, is marriage on the cards anywhere in the future? I certainly hope so. I just haven't found the right one. That's great to know that you have every intention of jumping and climbing every mountain, including that one, <laughs> between all that you're achieving. And I guess you'll hit Mount Everest at some point. <laughs> but um, definitely, I am so excited to see more of what your work is going to be in the future and to see a whole generation of young, capable women who will be inspired by you and others like you. So we call you all our warrior queens. 
so that you make the change because every generation makes a change a little bit and a little bit. And of course, in the last five years, we've seen a huge shift with um, the Asian community, but still a lot of work has to go in. And it's uh, people like you who will make that change and who has to encourage and be the mentor now for other youngsters. So we look forward to seeing you reach greater heights, Malika. And thank you so much for being a warrior queen out there and being on our Warrior Queen podcast. It's been an absolute joy and pleasure.